Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, what an awesome day we have. We're having this morning. I, but this is just the beginning because God has a word for this church for this time. Uh, uh, I just want to thank Pastor, Senior Pastor, for allowing me to uh, give the word this morning. And uh, First Lady, I know she's not here. She's kind of like under the weather, but we'll lift her up in prayer. Uh, thank you for all the elders that, that have uh, allowed me to come up here and bring a word today. Uh, let's, do, let's do this. Will you open your Bibles to John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. We serve an awesome God. He will always be awesome and he will always be faithful because that's just who he is. So John chapter 5 reads like this, that after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind halt wither waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water that whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever or whatsoever disease he had which and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years <clears throat> when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now in a long time in that case he said unto him will thou be made whole the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But when I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for what you have in store for your people today. Holy Spirit, guide my words, guide my tongue, guide my mind. Let everything that I've studied, let everything <clears throat> that i meditated on these last couple of weeks. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need that anointing that makes preaching easy. I, I, I need the guiding of the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit can penetrate the hearts of all these people here today, Lord. So Father, today, 
We ask for that blessing. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tell somebody, Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this chapter, John verse 5, has been preached many a times. We've heard pastor preach it many a times. I've I've heard other pastors preach it. I've heard it been taught. But the Lord has been impressing in my heart that some of us are going through some issues to the point where you think, has God forgotten about me? And I'm here to set the record straight that God has never forgotten about you. For the Bible tells us, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, say is the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you unexpected end. That's the God that hasn't forgotten about you. And so I wanted to kind of like write it down and on a piece of paper because my printer ain't working. So I have to write everything down. And I, after so many times, I want the paper. Now, that's not how, that's not how I want to pre, uh, present it. I, Holy Spirit, that's not it. That's not it. So my wife can tell you, what's all this papers right here? I, it's trash. It's trash. But I got some good news for you today. <laughs> Whenever we lift up the name of the Lord... That's good news. Whenever we prioritize our lives and put Jesus first, that's good news. Whenever we just put our life issues behind us and put God right in front of us, that is the good news of the gospel. So I'm just going to start reading from the beginning. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to need your help. So after this, there was a a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these days, a great multitude. It wasn't a small crowd. It wasn't just a few people, but the Bible tells me that it was a a great multitude. The Bible doesn't record the number of people there, but the Bible does say that it was a great multitude. People there that were impotent folks looking for healing. The Bible said there were blind people there. Halt, wither, waiting 
for the moving of the water. So when, when, I, when I read that, I, 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 I just love Harvest Point Church. Because it's a reminder that God doesn't need a big church to move. As a matter of fact, when God chose his chosen people, he didn't choose them because they were great. He chose them because they were a small group so that God could show his power. There has been power of God, power of Jesus manifested in this place. We have moved from Grand Prairie to Mansfield School to the hotel to here, but God is still with us. Pastor, he ain't forgot about. He ain't forgot about us. It don't matter if we're in Grand Prairie, Mansfield, Arlington. It's God that brings healing. And I'm here to tell you that whatever situation you're going through, God has not forgotten about you. And if you're anything just like me, I have pain. I have heartaches. You might even cry yourself to sleep sometimes. The men might not admit it, but I'm sure it happens. Because if it happens to me, I'm sure it's going to happen to most men too. So there's a great, great multitude. Impotent folks. People that are hurting. People that have been betrayed. People that, that lost the loved ones coming to the house of the Lord seeking for help. People that, 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 that might be hearing something that the doctor has said. They're here. Maybe you heard something going on at your job. You're here today. Maybe you're going through some relationship issue. You're here today. You're at the place where God dwells. These people were in the place together. A great multitude seeking for the same thing. They were seeking a move from God. They weren't there to gossip. They weren't, they weren't there to talk about each other. They weren't there to, to, to uh, talk about sports or anything like that. I'm going to hit that for a little while. But they were there for the same reason. And I pray that we're all here for the same thing. I pray that we all here have a heart that gets so excited for the things of God. I, 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 I pray that we're all here expecting a move from God. I pray that if you're going through a situation today, that you won't be like this layman and stay stuck at your seat. I pray that this church really gets on fire for God. I remember when I first started coming to Harvest Point, it was known as Harvest Temple in Grand Prairie. 
And I'm going to go back there because I saw some people that were on fire for God. Every Sunday morning, they were, we were singing praise and worship songs, and the altars were full every Sunday morning because they, they wanted the same thing. Church, do we want the same thing? Do we have that desperate hunger that Blue talked about the other day? Do we have that? Has the world tempted us with, with something and our appetite is going somewhere else instead of coming into the house of God? Got quiet there because I know I stepped on some toes. I came here to lift up the name of the Lord. Because I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. One thing I know about my God, he don't sleep or he don't slumber. I know one thing about God, his thoughts are precious towards me. I know one thing about God, he's never left me nor forsake me. Hey, we serve a good God. I was going to title, I was telling my wife, I said, I don't know what to title the message. I was going to title it Frozen. You know, they say that in the last days, it, uh, iniquity will abound and the love of man would grow wax, cold, frozen. My wife and I, we've been blessed. So far, we have 11 grandchildren. Yeah. And children are a blessing from the Lord. And if you're a grandpa, you got a crown on your head. Because the children's children. Come on, somebody. That's the crown we wear. I wear a crown on my head. Because I've been blessed of the Lord to see 11 beautiful children that God made, that God formed in their mother's womb, that, that while they were in that dark secret place, God was knitting them and putting them together because God sees something in those children that we don't even see today. Our children, and we're going to talk about that tonight. If, if y'all never go to uh, uh, streaming on Facebook or, or YouTube for Bob study, can I say something as Pastor used to say a long time ago? Shame on you. Our pastor labors day and night. Our pastor sheds tears for us. And all we see is like 13 people watching him on, on Facebook. We all need God, right? I need God. I need God every day of my life. So if you can, I'm not trying to promote myself or anything like that, but if you can, go on Facebook because God has a word tonight for the church of God. So, we were blessed with 11 kids, grandkids. And it's not often that we get them together. We're not ever probably going to get them together. But when most of them are there at our home, and understand those that have been to, to our house, our house is a little quiet place. It is so peaceful. I know that the presence of the Lord dwells in my house because it is so 
peaceful. But when the kids come over, the grandkids come over, that changes everything. They, 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 they start running around the, the house, and for whatever reason, they love running around the couch, chasing each other. And they're laughing and, and, and giggling and, and just having an awesome time. There's so much excitement in their little bodies. I pray that there'll be that kind of excitement that when we come into the house of God, when we come and assemble ourselves together, there has to be excitement. God has done great things. And if God has spoken it, those things are going to come to pass. I don't know about you, but that sounds like something that gets excited about. Oh, So there it is. Our grandkids running around, and then my wife said, okay, that's enough. Because <laughs> we have a, 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 what we call a, a kid's room where our grandkids, and we have a TV set up for them, a bed, uh, uh, toys. Y'all go into the kid's room. <laughs> but when the weather wasn't as hot as this, we would send them outside. <laughs> go spend your energy outside. Because one thing, when our grandkids come over, we don't have certain rules that our children have placed upon our kids. They're not limited to sugar. Come on, somebody. And when they come, they already know they can open the refrigerator and get them something to drink. They already know they can get them some fruit. And they, already can, they already know where the pantry's at. They already know where Grandpa's goodies are at. They already know where his hostess cupcakes are at. Come on, somebody. They know where his Cheetos and that Ben Dip is at. Because they'll, they'll hit that. They know where our chocolate chip cookies and Oreo cookies are at. They know. They don't ask. They don't have to ask. They don't have to ask. Come on. They're my grandkids. So we get them all wired up. So while they're all wired up with sugar, they're running around the house. And my wife said, okay, that's enough. They love this game called freeze. You know, they're running around. And my wife's trying to tell them, hey, y'all quiet down, go to the room. And all I have to do is say, freeze. And then, oh. Right. And so now, now it's kind of quiet for a little bit. Then I'll say, go. And then, oh, they're... Papa's playing with us. So they start making a certain move. I say, freeze. The devil has done the same thing even to God's people. He'll give you a report that you don't want to hear. And all of a sudden we freeze. Sometimes we're so caught up in the world and forget about the things of God and we're frozen. For the love of men shall be as wax cold, frozen. So when I was reading this, I said, no, I, since I told you that, I changed the title of the sermon. Because God doesn't want you frozen. He wants you liberated. 
He wants to set you free. He wants to break those chains. He wants to heal you from that disease. He wants to restore your mind. So there's many folks, great multitude of impotent people in these great big churches, limited because usually they can't have one service. They have so many people that they'll break it to 7, 9, and 11. You're not going to box in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves, we have to give way to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit what he's supposed to do. Again, I'm not here to, to, to bash any other churches, but, but I'm here to tell you that, that God sees a lot of sick people and, and congregated in a place like that, and they leave the same way that they came in. Sick people, blind, whole, withering, waiting, waiting for the moving of the water. I'm here to tell you that if if you're going through something and you've been waiting, your answer is here today. You wait no longer. For an angel went down at the pool a certain season, went down at a certain season into the pool and he troubled the water that whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever he had. And a certain man, the Bible doesn't give us a name. All it says is a certain man. He was there. He, which had an affirmity, 38 years. 38 years. That's 456 months. It's a long time. That's 1,976 weeks. That's 13,870 days. That's 332,880 hours. 19 million, 972 and 800 minutes. 1 billion, 198 million, and 368,000 seconds and counting. That's a mighty long time. You can't even wait at the doctor's office 10 minutes, but this man's been waiting for 38 years. For all those that know scripture, Jesus only lived to be 33 years old. The man's been at the pool of Bethesda 38 years. So he was already there five years when baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was there 17 years when they found Jesus in the temple uh, teaching the scribes and the, and, and, and the priests about scripture. Jesus was 12 years old when that man had been there 17 years already. So when Jesus started his ministry, 
At 30, this man, let's see, 12, 18. Huh? I didn't write that down. <laughs> 35 years. He's been there a while. <laughs> 35 years when Jesus started selecting his disciples, the man had already been there. 35 years. And so, so, but the Bible doesn't tell us if he was born crippled. The Bible never mentions if he got hurt at a young age and then became crippled. But he was there nonetheless. I believe that the Bible would have mentioned that he was born crippled so that you would see the significance of the miracle that Jesus was about to do. For the Bible does say that a man was born blind and God touched and healed, gave him sight. But the Bible never mentioned that this man was born crippled. There's something that happened to this man at a very young age. For him to be there 38 years, it, it had to have been something that happened to him at a very young age that made him uh, paralyzed or made him crippled or made him lame. And I think about sometimes when we get to a crippling situation or maybe we're still in that crippling situation is because something has happened to us years ago. We've never brought that issue up to the Lord. We never placed it before him so that God could heal that situation. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. That even when you were a young child, you might say to yourself as you're older now, I didn't have those things when I grew up. We grew up having less things. You know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, when I tell my wife, remember when we, when, uh, we were young and, and uh, we had black and white TV, you know what my wife told me? She said, I never had a black and white TV. <laughs> Wait a minute, aren't we the same age? By the way, if y'all don't know, she's one day older than I am. So how is it that she doesn't know what a, a black and white TV But something, if you just go back down memory lane, because I've, like, like the man right here, something had happened to him while he was young. And if we're honest with ourselves, something happened to us while we were young. Something drastic might have happened while you were young. Maybe you lost a, a father while you were young. Maybe you lost a, a mother while you were young. Maybe you lost a sibling while you were young. But something has happened to us when we were young. Maybe your father didn't, didn't teach you affection. Maybe your father was stern. And maybe your father didn't show too much grace. Maybe I'm not talking about your dad. But my dad loved me. He didn't spare the rod. Come on, I can't. See, back then, the fathers didn't spare the rod. They knew how to use the paddle. 
But sometimes we, we even have a, a broken relationship with mom. Maybe mom left you to be raised by your father. Maybe your father left you to be raised by your mother. And so you have bitterness and maybe hatred towards your, one of your parents because they weren't there when you were growing up. You see your friends with their dads there, but your dad wasn't there. At the PTA meetings, you see all the other mothers, but your mom wasn't there. There are things that has happened to us that we call, we've been traumatized. Something that has happened to each and every one of us while we were very young. Maybe you were given up for adoption. Maybe you were moved from foster home to foster home. I don't know each and every one of you personally, but I do know some of you. But I do know God. And God said we all come short of the glory of God. God said we all have issues. We all go through trials and tribulations because Jesus even tried to, he encouraged us that you will face trials and tribulation. So right there, he's letting us know that we all go through something in our lives, even in a young life. That's why when the children want to come to the Lord, don't hinder them. Bring them. Bring them to the Lord. Things didn't change until Jesus showed up. Thirty-eight years in that same place. I don't know what we're all dealing with. Maybe you're in a situation, and it might not be thirty-eight years, but I probably take a guess at it. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've been honest with God. It's been a long time since, since we laid everything, and I'm talking about everything, at the feet of Jesus. It's been a long time, folks. A very long time. What I love about Harvest Point Church is that we have what we call an altar service. Because we know that the Lord dwells in this place. We know that the Spirit of God moves all over this place. It's moving right now in the kids' classes right now. He's moving outside in the parking lot. He, you don't think those flags make a difference? People see those flags because they know that the Spirit is telling them, turn in there. Come on, somebody. God is everywhere at the same time. We know that as omnipresent. So, so he was there 30, 38 years he was there. And sometimes we go through situations, and, and I've been through some heartaches in my life. I've been there. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. 
I've been lied about, talked about, gossip about. But God hasn't forgotten about me. If you ever feel that somebody is, whether it be at home or whether it be at your job, and you always feel like, man, those people, all they do is gossip all day long. But just know that Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. Maybe you got turned down for a promotion, but I'm here to tell you, he hasn't forgotten about you. And maybe you got that bad report, but Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. Maybe you wanted a certain relationship to work out, but the other person decided to break it off. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. And he hasn't forgotten about our children either. You know, many times we want to protect our children, we want to protect our grandchildren, but we're not there with them 24-7. But I know somebody that he said he'll never leave them or forsake them. They have the same protection that I have. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. Maybe you know somebody that has done prison time. Can I tell you about Joseph in the Old Testament? God didn't forget about Joseph. As a matter of fact, Joseph found favor of the Lord even in prison. He didn't forget about Peter. When they arrested Peter for preaching in the name of Jesus. And so they, are, they locked him up in prison. But Jesus didn't forget about him. He sent an angel in the middle of the night. He said, come on now. I ain't forgot about you. Paul and Silas, they were in the Romans prison. Beaten 39 times for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. For casting out a demon from this from, from, a, from a woman that was a, supposedly a, a fortune teller. She was mocking Paul and Silas, and Paul finally got fed up. I, I think it's time for us to get fed up with how things are turning out. And so he rebuked that demon out of that woman. And the owner, <laughs> he lost his business. And so he had him arrested and they were beaten 39 times, thrown to the lowest part of the, of the prison. And but Jesus didn't forget about them. He didn't forget about them because they didn't forget about Jesus. They didn't say, they didn't tell each other, man, maybe serving Jesus ain't what we thought it was going to be. You know, because sometimes when you serve Jesus, it's not always going to be road, a, a, a walk in the park. Sometimes there's suffering when you serve in Jesus. Come on, somebody. Sometimes there's some heartbreaks there. 
Sometimes uh, people will leave our lives when we serve the Lord. But even in their midst and even in being in the prisons, thrown in, in those stocks, they began to pray. And they began to lift up the name of the Lord. They began to sing hymns. And all of a sudden, an earthquake appeared. And the chains broke loose. This side over here. <laughs> but Jesus, he can't forget about us. He's not like us. He's not like us. The simple things like going to a grocery store. If I don't put, put it on my phone, I say, baby, what do we need? I'm going to forget at the grocery store. Ah, uh, we get home and, man, we forgot the toothpaste. Something that you know you have to go back. TP. Come on, somebody. You got to go back because we have a finite mind, but God's infinite. The Bible tells me that God's thoughts towards you, towards you in this section, you over here and you over there, that his thoughts towards you are precious, precious thoughts, beautiful thoughts. And even when we make mistakes, his thoughts towards you are still precious. Even when you turn your back on God, his thoughts towards you are precious. Even when you fall back into sin, his thoughts towards you are, are precious. He hasn't forgotten about you. Our God doesn't forget about us. The Bible says that if we would try to count the thoughts, it, was, it would be more than the sands in the seashore. And I Googled how many grains of sand in the world. They put some kind of word I ain't even heard of. <laughs> Sextillion. What else? I said, man, I didn't, I didn't even know that in school. You know, I think trillion was the highest I think they taught us in school, you know. But now it's some number that's 10 years from now, that number's not going to be there. They're going to come up with a number, another number. But that's how, that's how precious you are to God. That's how precious you are to God. That's how much you are in his mind all the time. If you believe that God saved you from your sin, you, you should be able to use that same belief to know that God hasn't forgotten about you. It's easy to believe in, in salvation. It's easy to believe that, say, yeah, I'm going to heaven. But when a trial hits you or you get a bad, re bad report, you think God did it. You want to blame God. But God, I, but God said, I, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil. Why we blame God? His thoughts towards me are precious. His thoughts towards me is peace. It's not evil, and he's not trying to get even. 
God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. Even, even if we make mistakes, he's not mad. He's not mad. He's not mad. He's not mad. He's, he hasn't forgotten about you, church. I'm going to close with an example, and then I'm going to share a testimony of my life. There was a great prophet by the name of Elijah. He never saw death. He was caught up in a whirlwind. Sherry is a fire and the horses on fire. And it, Elisha was there and he saw the mantle fell. And he was taken up of the Lord. But, but this great prophet, he also went through some hard times in his life. He prayed that there was, there was a, 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 a three years without any rain. It was a dry season. Y'all know about no rain, right? It seems to rain everywhere except my house. Man, did you hear it rained in Frisco? I said, but they didn't rain in my house. Some lady at work, look, 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 my, my camera phone is raining in my house. I said, where you stay at? Red Oak. I think it was Josh Jr. put it on Facebook. We got rain in Mansfield. But we didn't get no rain in my house. It seems like rain's all... It seems like everybody's getting the rain. I'm just going to say this one point. That man saw everybody around him seem to get healed. They would step over him, and everybody's getting looked at. So Elijah, three years without rain, the Lord said to him, I, I've commanded a raven to take care of you. I want you to go to the uh, brook of Sherith. On the side, right before uh, Jericho, there's a raven. I commanded him. He's going to feed you bread. He's going to feed you flesh. He's going to feed you meat. If it was me, he said, he's going to give you some tortillas. Come on, somebody. And some barbacoa. Some fajitas. But here, sure enough, just like the Lord has said to Elijah, the raven would give him bread. And would give him flesh, would give him meat. Then the brook, because of no rain, dried up. He said, go to Zarephath. I commanded a widow. To sustain you. So Elijah goes to Zarephath. And as he enters the, the city gate. He sees the widow. And he tells her, go fetch me some water. And she knew that, that he was a, a man of God. He said, okay. He said, by the way, bring me back a piece of cake. He said, sir, I came out here to gather some sticks. Because I only have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And I was just going to make a cake for me and my son. And that was going to be our last meal. We were going to die. But Elijah reminded her 
that God hasn't forgotten about you. But first, give me my cake. And because she obeyed the word of the Lord, there was plenty of flour and plenty of oil until the rain came. After that, the Lord spoke to him and told him, I want you to face King Ahab and tell the king that I'm going to show them who the true and living God is. So when he gets to meet King Ahaz in Samaria, King Ahab said, well, here comes the troublemaker. They always think, they always think the believers of God are troublemakers. But then the prophet Elijah said, I'm not the troublemaker, you are. I said, you have forsaken the covenant of the Lord. You've, you've, you've torn down his altars and you built these altars for, for the fake gods, for the false gods. He said, but he said, how long will it be before you make a decision to serve Baal or to serve Jehovah God, Yahweh? You can't have one foot over here and then another foot over here. He said, how long? He said, but I'll tell you what, King. You bring your 450 Baal prophets and I and they will be and they'll build their altar and they'll cry out to Baal and the Baal answers and puts brings fire on that sacrifice then we'll worship him but if not when I build my altar and if I call on the Lord thy God to bring fire and if he brings fire we know he's the true God and you know how men are, they love challenges. He said, yeah, let's do it. So we know the story. The 450 false prophets, they, 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 they were given a, a, a bull, and, and they, they were given all the wood, and they set up the, 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 the altar, and they cut it up the bull, and they set it up. And, and then they said that morning until noon, they were calling and shouting to Baal, but he didn't answer. Of course, Elijah started mocking him and said, well, shout louder. He might, he might be asleep. But that went on. They even started cutting themselves. Well, that was their ritual custom to cut themselves. And, and they went on away even to right before the sacrifice in the evening and then Baal never answered. So Elijah said, well, let's repair the altar. Get the wood and 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And put the, put the bull, cut it up and put it right there. He said, grab those four big barrels of and fill them up with water. You would think, man, they're, they're in a drought. But yet he tells them, to fill four barrels and do it three times. Yeah. 
they said that the altar was drenching and they had built a trench around it and the trench was full of water. And then the prophet Elijah called for fire out of heaven. And it says suddenly the fire came and consumed the, the sacrifice, consumed all the wood and con consumed even the stones and the dust and even licked up the water in the trench. That wasn't enough. He was threatened by King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, because the king ran to his wife. You see what Elijah did, man? He had our prophets killed. But see, what happened was once, once uh, God brought that fire down, the, the people all around would say, the Lord, he is the God. The, they, were, they were laying prostate and they were saying, the Lord is the God. It's the God. You would think that Elijah, after hearing that news, would stay right there because right there was the place of victory. When we go through hardships, this is the place of victory. When we go through hard times, we don't need to be running away from like God doesn't care, but stay right there at the place of victory. And so he ran off. He ran off to the wilderness, went under a juniper tree, tired. Then the angel came and he had a cake on coals. The angel touched him and said, eat. There was cake right there on coals on the fire. He gave him a jar of water. He drank it. He fell back asleep. The Bible said Elijah was depressed. I don't know about you, but I've been depressed one time in my life. And I'm going to tell you, depression is real. That all you want to do is eat and sleep. You don't want to be around anybody. You don't even want to watch TV. You just want to do your little business, go to work, come home, eat, and go to sleep. So the angel touched Elijah again and said, eat. You have a journey to go to. We're going to go to Mount, Mount Horeb. And right there, the Lord finds him in the cave. And the Lord asked him, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? When you're depressed and he ran away from the, from the place of victory and you're out there and you think you have, you'll be better off being alone. You don't want to associate with, with, I didn't even want to associate with my own family. I was just by myself. And the Lord said, Ray, son, what are you doing here? You know about me. Go back. Go back to the house of the Lord. So then he gave three Three signs, the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. And the wind came and it rent it, the, the, it tore up the whole mountain yep. and the rocks. But God was not in the wind. Come on, man. Then there was a great earthquake, a great earthquake. Yes, sir. But God was not in the earthquake. Yeah. 
and boom, fire. But God was not in the fire. Then a still small voice came. What are you doing here? He just heard that small voice. Now I'm going to close with my testimony. There was a time where me, 100% in depression, I knew about God. I grew up in the church. My, my dad took me to church. I, I went to all the youth camps when I was a youth. But I still fell into depression. Depression is real. So much so that when I went to work, I would find myself a little quiet place so I can just shed my tears and come out. That had gone on for a, a long time. I don't know how long, but it was, it seemed like a long time. It won 38 years, I know that. But it was a long time. It was long enough. How long, Elijah said, how long are you going to be in that state? So I was, I was 100% in the depression. And then one day my sister, she said, hey, Ray, I, uh, I, want to take, I wanted to invite you to this church in Grand Prairie. It was called Harvest Temple at that time. I said, nah, nah, I don't want to go. Just like the man came up with excuses why he wouldn't. Why, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? He came up with excuses, I have no man to help me. Uh-huh. So my sister was telling Ray, no, I, I, I just don't feel like it right now. I, I don't want to go. I just don't feel like it. But just like God commanded that raven and he commanded that widow, he commanded my sister. And she would not quit. So she called me another time and said, Ray, come on to church. And finally I I decided to go. And when I walked in, Brenda was there, my sister. We walked in the doors and I see my mom and I see my dad. By the way, they they didn't go to Harvest Temple, but they were there. And so I felt kind of comfortable to know somebody. And then I saw Pastor Josh. What's he doing playing the bass guitar up there? I said, that, that, I knew, I said, that's, that's my cousin right there. Get down and boom, 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 that guitar. I still wasn't healed. I was in there. That was the first step. Step of faith. He said, rise and get up. Get out of your pity party and go to the house of the Lord. And so, Pastor Danny, it was a Sunday evening service. 
Remember those good old days when we had Sunday evening service? So pastor's preaching his heart out. I don't know what he was even preaching about. I can't even tell you what he was preaching about. I was so depressed, I didn't even know. In the evening service, they would start off with praise and worship music in the evening. And they were playing in there. I'm sure there was great music, but I was still depressed. And then the altar call came. Pastor Daniel Sr. went from his seat. He was commanded of the Lord. He grabbed my hand. There was no resistance. I went with him to the altar. Pastor, he put his arm around, around me. In a still, small voice, I heard the Lord say, Son, I've been waiting on you. You see, God didn't forget about me. I was very depressed. When I walked in, he wasn't in the music. He wasn't even in the, in the preaching to me that day. But he was right here. And gave me, and spoke to me in a still, small voice. Saying, son, I've been waiting for you. I haven't forgotten about you. God has never forgotten about me. And God has never forgotten about you. That no matter what situation you find yourself in, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know that your heart has been broken, but I'm the God that binds the brokenhearted. I know you've been shackled down in depression or, or shacking down in, in bitterness or in hatred, but I'm here to set you free this morning. I know what the doctor said, but I'm the God that healeth. So I took that step of faith, just like Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And he told him, rise up. Rise up. Pick up your mat. Get rid of that mat. Throw it in the trash. You don't need it no more. Because you're going to walk with me. You don't need to be stuck in your seats any longer. God said, walk with me. I haven't forgotten about you. Maybe this message ain't for everybody. 
though he told me it was for everybody. If you need prayer, and if you're going through something this morning, just understand this. I want you to take this home with you today. That Jesus has never stopped thinking about you. 